You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, A Mother's Faith. Enjoy. Okay, this is the, the world that Mary lived in. In Bible times, Jewish marriage customs regarding a couple's engagement were far different and much more stringent than those we are familiar with today, especially here in America, in the West, right? Marriages were arranged by the parents of the bride and groom and often without consulting the couple to be married. A contract was prepared in which the groom's parents paid a bride price. They would give a dowry to the bride's parents, right? Such a contract was immediately deemed binding with, a, with the couple considered married even though the actual ceremony and consummation of the marriage would not occur for as long as a year afterwards. The time between was a sort of testing of fidelity with the couple having little, if any, contact with each other. This is the time that Mary was in. She was betrothed to Joseph, but the marriage had not been consummated yet. Okay? Jewish law provided that, that during this betrothal period, if unfaithfulness was found, in this case, on Mary's case, that she could be placed before the elders for judgment and stoned to death. Wow. Betrothals or merry engagements in those ancient times were binding and could only be terminated by an official divorce decree. So it's important to understand the context that Mary lived in when God's word came to her. All right? Here she is. She's betrothed to Joseph. She's a virgin. She's never been with a man. And God sends his word to her. And he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. And in your womb, you're going to bear a son. And he's going to be the son of the Most High. And you will call his name Jesus. And Mary, without hesitation, perceived the now reality of God's word. What do I mean by that? She was going to be with Joseph, right? She could have believed that, okay, after Joseph and I come together, we'll have a son and we'll call his name Jesus. But she perceived that the word of God was for her right now, the now reality of God. I want to compare her response with Zechariah's response in the same chapter. All right? So let's take a look. Just six months before this, Gabriel, the same angel, brought the word of God to Zechariah, Mary's cousin, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth. Let's look in verse 18 of the same chapter. So the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and he says that your wife is going to bear a son. Okay? Now she was not a virgin. They were married, but they were beyond the age of childbearing. Okay, now in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? I want you to note that his response is very different than Mary's. And we're going to see this. How will I know this for certain? What is Hebrews 11, 1, verse 2? Can you put that up there, Eden? Hebrews 11, verse uh, 1 and 2. This is what faith is. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and what? certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, for being sure and certain of the word of God. The first thing out of Zechariah's mouth is, how will I know this for certain? 
There's no faith in that response, is there? Look, for I am an old man, back to verse 18, for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So naturally, it's not possible. But the word of God has come to do the impossible. And Zechariah, that isn't enough for him. He's saying, how can I be certain of this? We're old, we're beyond the age of childbearing. The message translation of Luke chapter 1, verse 18, records Zechariah's statement as this. Do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old woman. Wow. Now, what was Zechariah's occupation, for lack of a better term? What did he do? He was a priest. He was an expert in the Scriptures. Was there anyone in the scriptures that he would have studied that was an old man beyond the age of childbearing and his wife was beyond the age of childbearing and bore a son? Was there anyone? Abraham, the father of the faith. A precedent had been set, and he knew that full well. Right? He should have known, okay, God's doing it again. He was to have received that word. You see, the things we see in God's word that are impossible things that become reality are examples to us so that we would have faith in our own lives because we're going to face situations that don't seem possible. And you, I've, if, you, if you haven't realized it yet, if you don't perceive any now, there, there may be some in your life right now. They just don't seem possible because we can't figure it out. We can't see how in the natural this is going to be done, but God's given us a precedent. He's done impossible things all the way through the scriptures so that we can be internalizing the reality of his impossible possibleness, right? Of the amazing God that he is. So that when the word of God comes to us, we don't say, how can I know this for sure? How can I be certain? We say, be it done unto me, right? Because your word makes the impossible possible. So Zechariah should have known that. Now Mary, on the other hand, Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary says to the angel, very different. She says, how can this be? Not how can I be certain. She says, how can this be since I did not know a man? That's a fair question, right? It's just not, there's no practical. Did she have a precedent for this? Was there anyone in the Old Testament that was a virgin and bore a son through the Holy Spirit? No, there was no precedent for what Mary was about to receive. None. There was prophecy. Isaiah seven fourteen said, "A virgin shall be with child, shall, shall uh, be with child." Right, but there was no precedent for that. But Mary had cultivated a faith in the uh, in the God who does the impossible. So when the word of God came to her, she simply asked, "How can this be?" And we can see that Mary was in faith. By Gabriel's response. Look at Gabriel's response to Zechariah (laughs) in verse 19. And the angel answers and says to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. You see, we can't become complacent. Right now, we're in the presence of God. I encourage you right now to receive whatever you need from God. We're gathered together in his presence. We're not playing church. Whatever you need, receive it right now. Okay? So Zechariah became complacent. He said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the maker of heaven and earth and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute 
and not able to speak until the day these things take place because why? You did not believe. Wow, you did not believe my words, which will be filled in their own time. And Zechariah could not speak for nine months. Wow, I don't think I could do that. Right? Because he did not believe in the word of God. Right? Now, look at the response to Mary. Look what Gabriel said. Did, it, did he rebuke her? Oh, no. Look at verse 38 in chapter 1. Excuse me, verse 35. And the angel answers and says to her, he, he gives her an explanation, not a rebuking, because she had a good question. The, the angel says to her, um, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Her question was, how can this be? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Right? So he encourages, says, even your cousin has conceived a son in her old age. And this is now, uh, excuse me, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. Verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And she responds and says, let it be to me according to your word. Faith pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It pleases God. It says, without faith, it is impossible, wow, to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And I'm not sure how your translation says it, but he exists is not a correct translation. Nowhere in the Bible does God try and prove he exists. God's existence is blatantly obvious since the creation of the world. God's invisible qualities and eternal power have been clearly seen. So that man is without excuse. So that the Greek does not say that. The Greek says, must believe that he is. I am. He is. You see, he is what? He is the self-existent one. He is the one who causes the impossible to be possible. He who comes to God must believe that he is that. Believing that God exists will not help you. You get no, no reward for that. Okay, that's obvious. Believing that I have two hands doesn't help me right? I've got to use them. I've got to employ my hands in productive ways, believing that God is the maker of heaven and earth, believing God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, believe that God is the one who causes the impossible to be possible, believe that God is the one who wants to answer and meet your needs exceedingly abundantly, believe that God is your personal provider. Believe that God is your personal healer. Believe that God is your personal righteousness. That's faith that pleases God. And without that, it's impossible to please him. So Mary evidently cultivated this. Because you can't all of a sudden just one day decide to flip it on and then turn it off another day. Faith is a lifestyle. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, 17, it says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. Right? From first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The Living Bible says it this way, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says it, the man who finds life will find it, how? What's it say? Through trusting God, through faith, 
right? So we find life through trusting God. Moms, have you received his word? So here's Mary, a young girl about to be married in, in a period of time where her fidelity is being tested, knowing that if she would violate that, she could lose her life. And she's willing to risk her life for the fulfillment of God's word. I mean, who's going to believe that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, really? Doesn't that sound far-fetched? What a great, what a great excuse. You're what, Mary? What? You're going to blame this on the Holy Spirit? Now you really, I mean, it's bad enough you're pregnant. Now you're going to blame it on him. I mean, this, this was a serious thing. But the word of God to Mary was more important than her social status. The word of God to Mary was more important than her family position. She was willing to risk it all. She let the word of God override her fear. Do you think these were concerns that she had? How am I going to explain this to my mom and dad? How am I going to explain this to Joseph? Sure, these are thoughts that came into her mind. But God had sent his word to her. And God, what's God's word to you, moms? I have, some more, I have some promises for you. We're going to get to it before we close. But there are things that God has for you that may seem risky, that may seem that, that, that they could affect your reputation as a mom or your, your standing in your family or, or you're not sure how it's all going to work out. But if you'll just receive the word of God for your life, you will find an amazing, uh, an amazing amount of provision will show up in, in, in your children and in your everyday life. The best thing you can do for your, for your children, mom, is to cultivate your relationship with God. It's the best thing you can do. I encourage spending time with the Lord. Give the parenting magazines a break. Forget online. Get his word on you. Who are you? Who did God make you to be? Do you know your own mom and dad don't know that? Your mom and dad, we honor our parents and we're thankful for them, but God used our parents to get us into the earth. He had a plan for us that's greater than our parents, greater than our parents can conceive. Do you know when Mary, after Jesus was full grown, she did, there were times she didn't understand why he did what he did. There were times when she would correct him. So there are things that people aren't going to understand the greatness of God's plan and purpose for your life. Your children need you to have a relationship with God. Your children need that more than anything. They need you to believe God for the supernatural. Your children need the supernatural love of God. Your children need the supernatural provision of God. Your children need Him because there's things you simply cannot give them in of your natural self. And so I want to encourage you to cultivate this relationship with him, to cultivate this trust in him. Let's look at some promises in the word of God for moms. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 54. Moms, I'm sure you've probably had, a, had the thought before, like, you know, what kind of mom am I? You know, how, huh, what are people going to think of me? I can't even do that right. Look, my house is a mess. 
You know, my child just punched the neighbor's cat or whatever, right? Have you ever had those thoughts? Have you ever had fears about being a mom? I've had fears about being a dad. I'm sure you've had fears about being a mom. Fear about how society perceives you, how your own family perceives you. That's real life. That's where we live, right? Well, look what God says to you today, mom. In Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4, do not fear. Do not fear. For you will not be ashamed. Wow. You will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Why? For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Did you know that God, your maker, is your husband? Did you know there are things on earth your natural husband cannot supply for you? That you need to look to God as your husband? I think of the word uh, uh, husbandman, someone in, uh, that has a greenhouse or a... Um, what do you call those places where you buy plants? Nursery, yeah. Husbandry, where, where you take a plant and you groom it so they can grow and flourish. God wants to do that in you. But you've got to receive his word. You've got to believe and look to him as your husband, as the one who grooms you, as the one who prunes you, as we talked about last week, as your life coach. He will give you answers to, your, to things you need to get done each day. Whether it's on a job, whether it's in your home, whether it's teaching your children, he'll show you how to do it. The, the, the parenting magazines, they don't know. The psychologists don't know. Your children, God made them unique, and he's, he's put you in their lives so that you can seek him for them, so that you can receive divine instruction for them. So don't be afraid of what people are going to think. Don't be afraid that you're going to suffer shame and, and going to be a bad mom and people are going to make fun of you. Your, what's your mom going to think of you as a mom? What's your siblings going to think of you as a mom? Just put that all aside and look to God as your husband. Look to God to the one to groom you and to grow you in him. Isaiah 41 verse 10. God's role in your life, it removes fear. It, re it removes shame. And God... Uh, God will strengthen you. Do not fear, Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear for why? I am with you. You know, when you're home with just you and your kids and there's piles of laundry and, and chore and things to be done or when you're at work and you don't know how you're going to you know, make this thing work out, God is with you. Do not be afraid. Fear is contrary to who God is. Fear is contrary to what it wants to do in your life. Fear is believing that it's not going to work out. Fear is believing that something negative is going to take place. God says, don't give in to that. I'm with you. I'm in your house. I know how to do the laundry. I'll show you how to get it all done. I know how to get it all done. I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you. For I am your God. I, look at that. I will strengthen you. But you got to receive that. Don't be like Zechariah. So well, how will I know you're going to strengthen me? 
Receive the word of the Lord today. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So just receive it when you're in your home frustrated or wherever you're at going through your day or doing what you're doing and you have those thoughts about you as a mom, receive the word of the Lord. No, God, you're with me. You're strengthening me. You're showing me how to be an amazing, supernatural, Jesus kind of mom, right? Isaiah 41.10, God will establish your home and your family. He will do that. Isaiah 41. I'm sorry, let me give you one more, one more scripture on fear. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, I love this one, will hold your right hand. How close is that? I will hold your right hand. Thank you, fear not, I will help you. I want you to imagine walking through your day with the maker of heaven and earth holding your right hand. God will establish your home, and he will establish your family. Isaiah 54, verse 10. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Well, who are you? You're not as good as a mom as so-and-so. This has nothing to do with you. This is God's love for you. It has nothing to do with how, how well you perform. This is God's love for you. God's promises are based on his love for you, not how well you perform. So important to understand that. Because if you think it's based on how well you perform, insecurity is inevitable. Because you're never going to measure up. If you think your, your, your status as a mother is based on how well you get done what you need to get done, you're never going to measure up. There's always someone who does it better. It's not about that. It's about receiving God's love for you and for, for your children, right? For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my loving kindness, my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace, that's shalom, that's wholeness, spirit, soul, and body, be removed from you, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. O oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. He's saying, I'm going to establish you. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystals, and your walls of precious stones. Look at this. All your children shall be taught of the Lord. Wow, and great shall be the shalom, the peace, the untroubled, undisturbed well-being of your children. Amen. Wow, in righteousness you will be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. So God will establish your home and your family. He's going to be your children's private tutor. Now, I love my mom, and I'm thankful for my mom. She's not here right now. But um, my mom had a very severe reaction when I received Christ and wanted to disown me. As I grew up in a, in a church that didn't teach faith in Christ, per se, or a relationship with Christ, or reading the Bible. And then when I married a Christian, that was like the mo most worstest next thing you could ever do. And... Uh, and I, my heart was for my wife because my mom would get very, ah, 
even like nasty, you know? I mean, I watched, she, she's a good fighter. I watched her fight over the years with my dad. She's really good at it. She could take Rocky in three rounds. That's no problem. But, uh, but I had a concern for my wife and my children because of what I went through growing up. So I had to put my faith in God's love for me and for my wife to be everything my wife needed, him and her, directly. And that regardless of what my mom did or what she may have said or how she may have treated her, that God would, would, would encourage her and strengthen her. Um, because, you know, when you have a, a, a mother or a mother-in-law that looks down on you because of your faith, to a young mom, that can be daunting, you know, because you want to be accepted. You want to be approved. But I watched Jennifer look to God for strength. And moms, I want to encourage you to look to God for strength, wherever you're at in your life, whatever's going on. And trust God to teach your children. And we chose to homeschool our children since they were little, and we're going to do it all the way through. And we trust God to teach our children what they need to learn every day, to teach them to be our, our children's private tutor. Because the Holy Spirit can show them what they need to know in a moment that no teacher or professor could ever show them. And he does it from spirit to spirit. His spirit can just open that up inside of them and reveal to them their destiny. And the last two scriptures we're going to look at is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because worry is something all of us have to resist. And moms, God encourages you this morning in Proverbs 3, verse 5, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight i love this about god that we don't have to run ourselves ragged he's with us where we live and all we have to do to experience who he is is put our faith in him put our faith in him in our daily routine that he's going to get this thing done that he's going to work this thing out and psalm 48:10 the New American Standard says, Cease striving and know that I am God. Other translations say, Be still, let go, relax, and know that I am God. I mean, the world has a thousand things on a checklist for you to do as a mom. And they'll have you so afraid. You didn't do that right. Oh, you better do this or they're going to have this complex. <laughs> on all that. Let God be their God. Let God make up the difference. You can't be perfect to them. They need God and you need God. Stop trying to be perfect and let God make up the difference in your life. Cease striving. Be still. Let go. Relax. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be exalted in your life, Mom. I will be exalted in your family. Amen. Father, we thank you for your encouraging word this morning. And Lord, we say, let it be unto us according to your word. Lord, I pray that every mom in this place and every mom that hears this message would receive your promises would stop trying to be super mom in her own strength and let you make up the difference in her life, would look to you for the practical, everyday answers that she needs, 
We'll look to you to be everything her family needs. We'll look to you to establish her children, to establish her home, and to make her home and family beautiful, as only you can do. That she would look to you as her husband. In Jesus' name. Moms, the best thing you can do for your child is to cultivate your relationship with God and put your faith in His promises. Look to God as your husband, the one who will meet all of your needs and establish your home and family. In Jesus' name, amen.